Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the awesome NFL Showdown Strategy Show. That's right. The contests are so big, especially with everything else winding down, that we decided what better time than to do a Thursday morning strategy show for the Denver Broncos and the New York Jets. A true banger on hand today. It's going to be a good one. And you know what? I say that tongue-in-cheek, but at the same time, I like bad games. And I know my host, or my co-host, Matt Gajeski, also likes bad games. I'm Dave Lockburn, by the way. It's it's one of these spots where it's actually enjoyable to break down, Matt, because there aren't nearly as many obvious uh, uh, plays. It's, th- this game is far less obvious than so many other ones that we've come across to start the season in last year. So, you know what? I think it's going to be a good time, and there's still a lot of money on the line, and that's all that matters. You know me, man. I'm excited for some good football tonight. And finally, we don't have to worry about Patrick Mahomes throwing to some linemen and fullbacks. So we get a real enjoyable showdown slate here. I'm excited. We get some interesting strategy stuff here with Denver potentially using two quarterbacks. There's a lot of practice squad level players that we have to try to decipher. So it's going to be an interesting one. So I'll say this. Oh, you know what? I post I posted the wrong link. Posted the wrong link on YouTube. Aren't I smart? So let me delete that, and then we will uh, get started here. So here's here's the thing. What we're seeing here is one very simple concept, bad versus bad, right? And sometimes with bad versus bad, it results in very low-scoring games. Other times, it results in high-scoring games because neither team can stop anyone. And with showdown slates, Generally, you're trying to tr- to tell somewhat of a story. Um, the, the the way, the direction in which you think this game is going to go. Uh, I, I got Kansas City, Baltimore wrong in that respect. Uh, still had a, a decent night, but didn't expect it to be a blowout in that fashion, which, which definitely changed up the alignment of how things work. Whereas last Thursday, I had Miami blowing out the Jacksonville Jaguars, or at least beating them handily. And fortunately, it worked. Now, you can definitely make different arrangements on how you think it goes. You don't have to have a one-track mind. Uh, but if I had to guess right now, Matt, I- I'm going with this being a low-scoring game. 
I still believe that defenses have a competitive edge over each other's offense. Um, and if you look at the offensive rankings between these teams, they are dreadful. The Broncos rank 29th in overall offense, 29th in run in the run game, 27th in passing, 30th in scoring. The Jets rank 32nd in offense, 29th in rushing, 31st in passing, and 32nd in overall scoring. Just basic numbers there, but it gives you a very good idea of what type of offenses will be operating on the gridiron tonight. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I've have, had a little bit of hope for the Jets offense overall. They played the Colts, the Bills, and the 49ers. Those are fairly good teams, and that was a 49ers team that was a little bit healthier. That was the game where the 49ers lost all those players. Overall, I agree with you. This is not going to be, you know, probably a 55-point total game by any means. It's much, much closer to 40 based on what bookmakers are saying. So I agree with you. I think we could see higher ownership on defenses. Just a, a bad game overall. But that doesn't matter for DFS. We're still going to play this. Yeah, and we're still going to love the shit out of it. Happy to have all of you guys with us, by the way, uh, getting here early in the morning for a little showdown conversation. Hit that thumbs up if you're just walking in the door. You know we appreciate it. It helps us a ton, and it's the easiest and simplest way to help support us so we can keep getting these shows and all of this free content out to as many people as possible. Subscribe and hit that notification bell as well. Okay, so Matt, let's just dive right into it here. We're going we're gonna to bounce around a little bit. We don't want to run too long because we're going to have a live before lock show. And then Matt Savoka and I will be breaking down all 12 games on the week four main slate at 11 Eastern. Uh, let's start with the, with the quarterbacks. You've got Sam Darnold, who's been dreadful, uh, lower, or lower quarterback rating than anyone not named Daniel Jones. And you guessed it, Carson Wentz. He's, he's really had a, a terrible time moving the ball downfield. Uh, you look at average depth of target. It's been a real issue. Chris Hogan's the only guy with an average, an A dot north of 10 on the season. Uh, had it not been for Jamison Crowder breaking bad tackles, I'm not sure this Sam Donald would have a completion over 20 yards. Uh, but on the other side, Brett Ripping comes in uh, to supplant Jeff Driscoll. And you said before the show that you like Driscoll from a fantasy standpoint because he can use his legs while somebody like Rippon doesn't really have much to add here unless he's un unless he's really an accurate passer tonight, which I have trouble believing is going to be the case. I 100% agree. I You know, there's little tidbits that point to Rippon maybe being able to dink and dunk his way around this Jets team. I, you know, I don't think the Jets are really going to generate pressure. I don't think they're really going to stand in the way of him. It's just a matter of can he actually get the ball to his playmakers he completed eight to nine passes in, in the first game. That's, that's fine. In college, he was a relatively accurate passer. He is a career completion percentage of 64% at Boise State. But obviously, entering the NFL, this guy was not highly thought of. Clearly, entering this season, he was not highly thought of either. Coming in as the third-string quarterback. I don't know. Crazier things have happened, but I don't really think a guy who's, you know, undrafted free agent caliber, caliber player is really going to come out here and, you know, pass for 300 yards, anything like that. Like you mentioned, I wish Driscoll was playing because with Driscoll, we can at least guarantee he's going to take off and run. Sam Darnold and Brett Rippon right now in our awesome ownership projections have ownership projected at 66 and 54% respectively. By the way, the awesome $3.95 a week express pass 
now has all of the uh, ownership and projections and rankings and players for every single showdown slate uh, for the rest of the season. So less than $4 a week. All of our showdown content is included in the, uh, the weekly express pass, which is awesome because there's three showdowns every week. There might be four this week with that uh, Denver game. And, uh, you know, it's just well worth it alone on showdown stuff. The contest, the prize pools are huge. So check that out. But I, I, I'm having trouble getting behind the quarterbacks here. Sam Darnold's been brutal. And this isn't to say that they can't have big games. But, Matt, I'd be saying something different if everyone felt the way I did right now and everyone was, was, was getting off of the quarterbacks and, and looking for a different way to attack this game. But really, how, how do we attack a spot like this where on a showdown say you're always going to get high ownership on quarterbacks? But it's a little bit different when it's uh, Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. I'll take it a step further. It's a little bit different when it's Ryan Fitzpatrick and Garner Minshew. I mean, this right here is, is the bad of the bad, right? This is really rough. Sam Darnold hasn't been able to manufacture anything. He's averaging 173 passing yards per game. He has not thrown more than one touchdown. Now, to be fair, both teams have had tough matchups to start the year. Uh, it, it appears Indy's defense is really quite decent. Played uh, the 49ers. Uh, and then he and then he got the uh, the Buffalo Bills to start the year. The Denver Broncos have had an equally difficult schedule as well. But when you're coming in at at pretty significant ownership, the second and third highest, uh, respectively, in terms of projected ownership, maybe we start looking elsewhere. If you're a three maxer or you're single entering, like how comfortable do you feel getting in a bunch of quarterback play from either side of this one? I don't feel great about it. I'm, I'm kind of curious what you think about overall ownership with these guys. It is a little bit lower than what we typically see on the field. You know, like Lamar Jackson was up above 80% in some contests. And with Sam Darnold just being 65 and, and Rippins, it seems like he's going to hover around 50. I don't know. I'm kind of interested in going to Rippin specifically, just half the field on him. That's not terrible for a quarterback. What do you what, what do you think just in the context of I know 50% alone is high, but in the context of other showdown slates, it's not as high as I was expecting. For sure. No, absolutely. And by the way, Garth, appreciate you, man. $25 super chat. He says, Lafayette Mac, great duo here. Let's spread positivity today, folks. Make it your day. Appreciate you, dude. I would prefer that. And you're 100% right. In context, the ownership is not that high on these guys. Um, but the likelihood that they both produce solid outings to me, it, it seems unlikely. Now with Rippon, we don't exactly know what we're going to get out of him. And I think Jets defensively, their defensive line has been pushed around this year. Uh, they have struggled in the gr on the ground game uh, on run defense. My concern, Matt, is that you're going to see um, – I, I worry that you're going to see them just pound the rock with Melvin Gordon. Uh Football Outsiders, matter of fact, has the Jets with the third-ranked run defense in, in, for, with their DVOA metric. So it, it apparently is better when it's contextualized than it looks on paper or on the surface. Their pass defense is 31st. So there goes there's your advantage to, to Rippon right there. But I can't help but think that given the ineptitude of Sam Darnold and his inability to get the ball downfield and to punch the ball in the end zone. 
do, do you not think, and this isn't to say that Rippon doesn't belong in our player pool or, or in our lineups, obviously in our player pools, but do, 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 do you think that we could see a, a game plan where Fangio comes out and just tries to ram the ball down the Jets' throats with Melvin Gordon and, and potentially Philip Lindsay? Yeah, he tried to do that against Pittsburgh last week, and Melvin <laughs> Gordon averaged like 1.6 yards per attempt. It did not go well, and then they were forced to throw. I think it's conceivable that that happens again. I think Gordon certainly will get his opportunities and he'll get them early. It's clear he doesn't trust his quarterback play. While, like you mentioned, he will be going up against the teeth of the Jets defense. I think most of the rushing production they've allowed has just been, they've been in such severe, severe negative game script the whole time. Teams just don't have to pass on them. They can just run and rack up yardage through volume. They have some good defensive linemen. Quinn Williams, he's, a, he's been playing very well. Unfortunately, they're just getting run on about 40 times a game. When the play is kind of equalized here with Denver, I mean, equally as bad as a t- of a team. I'm not sure what we'll get. I'm not sure if if Denver will be up in this game. Maybe they will have to turn to the pass. As far as Gordon goes, it's a tough matchup for him. I'm just having a little bit of trouble projecting game script right now, if that makes sense. It does. And last week was was the Bucks. The the Steelers. Prior to that, in week two, Melvin Gordon carried the ball. No, 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 it's fine. Uh, But to make a point that Melvin Gordon got the ball 19 times on the ground and three targets that game. He played 79% of snaps. Uh, They got behind early last week to the Bucs, and things looked really, really ugly for them. 18-point loss, only manufactured 10 points of offense. Uh, I do think that Melvin Gordon, even at $11,000, is viable. If if Phillip Lindsay's out... I anticipate Gordon playing another around 80% of snaps. And I just expect him to be on the field a ton. And if that's the case, I'm willing to get there. I, I don't think Melvin Gordon is particularly good. You know, I, I don't think that the line has done a particularly great job of, of blocking for him. But I do see this as a spot where he comes out there and potentially gets a ton of opportunity. Also, it, it's so hard to predict what you're going to see in the red zone. Like, Noah Fant uh, leads the the team in red zone targets, right? With four, he has a 29% uh, share of targets in the red zone with the jets. Nobody has more than two red zone targets on the year. They, they, They don't get into the red zone. So talk to me about how we, how we tackle these running backs with, um, Melvin Gordon for the, for the Denver Broncos. Like I said, I still like him quite a bit. Uh, if Philip Lindsay plays, that's, conversation we can have uh, and then Frank Gore on the other side who they just continue running the ball with him heavily no matter how much they're down I don't mind Lindsay here as a pivot it seems like he's going to play he's been in practice this was a 50-50 timeshare heading into the game I can't imagine they're rushing Lindsay back especially with the context of their entire season if he's not fully healthy there's just no reason to rush him back especially for a game like this so Lindsay coming in significantly cheaper than Gordon, I certainly want to at least look at, but again, you're going to have to monitor his status heading up to game time. Frank Gore, think what you will of Frank Gore being, you know, the old dusty running back he is. He's carried 42 times this year. He's racked up an inefficient 144 yards rushing. That's 3.4 yards per attempt, but he's played on 65% of the run snaps. He's going to see 12 to 15 carries Maybe he ends up in the red zone and he falls into the end zone for you, but, but he'll be on the field arguably as much as Melvin Gordon. He's yeah. I mean, 
potentially more. Look, look at the look at the way these games have flipped on their heads, Matt. They they lose 36 to 7 to the Colts, and he still has 15 carries. They lose 31 to 13. That game was never competitive to the 49ers. He has 21 attempts. So it appears that Adam Gase just doesn't care at this point. Maybe he wants to get fired. I don't know. Uh, or he just is wholly and entirely out on Sam Darnold uh, and afraid to put the ball into his hands. I, I read something that said the thousand yard stare from Sam Darnold is, is really beginning to get concerning. Uh, and yeah, Sam Darnold is, dare I say, broken. I don't know. Maybe he rebounds today, but I think both offenses are going to struggle. I, the, the defenses here, um, the defenses here make things a little bit more interesting because if you're just looking at pro football focus and look, it's, it's, this isn't the Bible when it comes to, when it comes to defensive grades, but they have the jets ranked 32nd in pass coverage this season with a 41 grade. That's really bad. Um, obviously it's terrible run defense. The jets are somewhere like 12th or 13th. Do we start looking at some legitimate passing options for Denver with potentially Jerry, Judy, Noah Fant. Judy leads the team uh, in target share, but it's not super high. It's 22%. Fant's at 19%. Then it falls off a cliff to Tim Patrick, KJ Handler, Melvin Gordon. Uh, Cortland Sutton obviously hit the IR a couple weeks back. Yeah, this is an evolving situation. I actually think Judy's target share should be higher, but he missed a portion of, of two games now with injuries. He had a rib injury in week two, so it forced him off the field. Otherwise, I think his target share probably would be north of no fans. Judy only played on 46 of 63 snaps even last week, but still racks up the nine targets on that lower route percentage. And a guy like KJ Hamler, he was also hurt to begin the year, and he slowly worked his way into a larger role. Had five targets last week. That was just 13%, but he's clearly a guy they want to get involved. They handed him a carry, and he ran a route on 94% of we'll call them Denver Bronco quarterback dropbacks. 94%, it led the team. It was higher than no fan. It was higher than Jerry Judy. It was higher than Tim Patrick. So they clearly have some plans for KJ Hamler. Interestingly, KJ Hamler was being played outside and they were using Jerry Judy in the slot. KJ Hamler, I think, was widely viewed as a slot receiver in college, but his role in the Denver offense has kind of been an, that X or Z receiver playing on the outside. I don't know, just something interesting to monitor. It seems like this is an evolving situation as we go through the year. Yeah, 92% of snaps played for K.J. Hamler, 0.68 yards per route run. Not exactly what we're <laughs> looking to see, but at the same time, if he's going to be on the field, knowing that Sutton is out on the IR, it, it does make some sense to me. And you're going to have to find, you're going to have to find some discounts here for sure. As long as he's on the field and the opportunities present themselves, that's really all that matters. And uh, like I said, PFF has the Jets at, at 32nd in pass coverage. Football Outsiders, uh, another one with the DVOA metric, doesn't have them all that much better, right? 31st in pass coverage. The thing too, Matt, is I don't want to har harp too much on what's happened in these previous games. The Jets haven't really been legitimately tested through the air because Sam Darnold's throwing multiple pick sixes, right? And and opposing teams are breaking off 80-yard rushing touchdowns on the opening drive like Raheem Mostert did in week two. This is kind of just a, a pattern we've seen where they're getting ahead so early that assuming this game actually is fairly competitive, you 
oh God, I don't want to say this, but you might actually see Brett Rippon get these wide receivers and, and tight ends involved enough to, to produce some decent numbers. What are you doing with Noah Fant? Because I love this kid. It's just he hasn't had decent quarterbacking. They clearly want to get him involved. Team leading 10 targets last week. I don't have the breakdown of how many of those came from Driscoll, how many of them came from Rippon. Rippon only threw nine attempts overall, so I can't imagine it was too high. But I think Fant has to be your preferred pass catcher in this receiving core. For me, it's either Judy or it's Fant. They're the only two guys receiving significant targets. If you want to like legitimately consider one for your captain or MVP slot, it would be them. Out, you know, the guys like Hamler, they're just, I think, dart throws at this point. But Fant clearly talented. You just hope one of these guys can get him the ball. <laughs> these these comments right now are fantastic. Tim Wolford, I haven't heard of 90% of these guys. Um, can't wait for this to be the 80-point game. Yeah, seriously, Val. Wouldn't surprise me if it ended up being high scoring. I still don't think it will be. Uh, I expect it to be a low-scoring game, which leads me to, you know what? I'll hold off on that. Let's talk about Jets pass catchers for a moment. Uh, the, the Jets likely get Jamison Crowder back. And by the way, Mekhi Becton should play. George Fant was a full participant at practice. There are some, some kind of important players outside of just skill positions for the Jets that might bring them uh, a, a little bit uh, that, that might cement them a little bit more than they have in the past. And quite frankly, it's not going to take a lot. You can't go any further down than they've already been. But Jamison Crowder in week one had a fantastic game. He was targeted 13 times. He scored on that 69-yard touchdown, 115 yards on seven receptions. Granted, seven of 13 isn't great, but that's what you're going to get in the Sam Darnold, Adam Gase era. Let's start it off with him. He's really not that expensive he's at least i thought he would be a little bit more expensive than he is given the fact that there are so few talented pass catchers on the jets he is one two three four five six he's the seventh highest priced player on this entire slate yeah he's definitely not an exciting pass catcher and i'd put him right in there with that non-talented pass catching core but he's the one receiving targets and on a single game slate that's what we we care about more than anything that touchdown he scored in week one was the second longest touchdown of his career. So I do not think that is something he is going to replicate maybe ever again. Yep. Now it's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. What we do care about 12 targets, seven catches, that's seven, seven points right there in the context of this slate seven, four, I don't know, 42 likely ends up in the optimal lineup. Yeah. And when you, when you're talking about just week one alone, right? He was, it, it wasn't even close. He was by far, uh, the, the favorite target of Sam Donald, and I would anticipate that being the case again. He had a 39.4% target share, Matt. So uh, Chris Herndon was at 21%, by the way, which leads me to him. He is He has been disappointed, and he's been chalky in instances. A lot of people keep going back to the Chris Herndon well. He's at least stayed healthy, but at this point now in the season, he's lost a fumble. He's dropped an easy touchdown. It's been a tough go. And on 16 targets, he has 63 yards, no touchdowns. And like I said, more fumbles than scores. Is, is this? With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. 
Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The game where Chris Herndon can piece a few things together uh, or should be once again be worried that, especially with the return of Jamison Crowder, that Chris Herndon is going to be once again relegated to another role where he just can't break through. You should definitely be concerned about Herndon. He leads the team by one target right now. People keep playing this guy despite him running around essentially on 50% of the dropbacks. He's being used as a blocker. People get excited that his target share is going to be high because they have no pass catchers, and then they fail to realize that he's not actually the one running the routes. Yes, he's playing a high snap share, but week three, for example, he only ran a route on 67% of Darnold dropbacks. That was the highest of the season at any individual week. That target share, 16, I think it'll drop with Crowder coming back. And then you still have to worry about this guy being mainly a blocker in this offense. So, I mean, he's an outside consideration, but I think there's some other receivers you can look to that are you know, maybe a little cheaper that'll play the same amount as him and receive a similar target share. It's just an outside consideration dart throw for me. One of the things that always needs to be considered too when it comes to tight ends is so many of them are, are massively touchdown dependent, right? Not your Kelsey's, not your Kittles or your Ertz's, not even your Darren Waller's, but there are a few that most of the time they're going to need touchdowns to pay off their salaries. Well, in this case, you're not going to get a lot of red zone opportunities. Uh, the same thing for like a Logan Thomas, but even more extreme uh, in New York. This offense is, it's, the, their attempts at producing anything have been futile. They're completely anemic. They're not going to get into the 20 or inside the 20 very often. Uh, and Chris Herndon, has one red zone target through three weeks. That's that's really disconcerting, but it's not surprising. They can't get the ball downfield. Are there any other pass catchers that you like or that you think should be of interest today for the New York Jets? So I, I actually want to ask you a question about this too. Please. With Crowder coming back, someone is going to be displaced. They've had Chris Hogan. He, on DraftKings specifically, if you captain him, he's 4,800. Second on the team in targets, he's 15. What I'm concerned about is that Chris Hogan has been the team leader in slot routes since Crowder's been out. Braxton Berrios, who is widely viewed as a slot receiver coming out of Miami, he's actually been playing on the outside, and he's been running around on 92% of Sam Darnold dropbacks. So my question for you is, with Crowder presumably back, who does this drive off the field? Because I kind of think it could be Chris Hogan over Braxton Berrios. It's tough because Braxton Berrios in week one, where Jamison Crowder and Brashad Perryman were, were active, played one of 56 snaps, right? Yeah. Uh, and then 71%, then 52%. Or I'm sorry, then 81%, 52 of 64. So he's increasingly seen more opportunities, more snaps, uh, running more routes, whereas uh, Chris Hogan has already, to start the season, been on the field for the large majority of plays. I I, I want to say that Hogan stays on the field, but it's a really tough question to answer. And the reason is we don't know if, if Adam Gase has liked what he's seen enough from Berrios over the first three weeks to relegate Hogan to a, to a backup role because in week one, Berrios was the backup and Hogan was the one getting, um, getting consistent snaps. I don't, I don't have a good answer for that. I don't, I'm not necessarily sure anyone does, but I guess we can look at it like this. You've got Crowder in the slot, right? 
and then um and then you have Berrios, you have uh Chris Hogan. Who else who else are we really worried about taking opportunities here? Like what with, with no Brashad Perriman, wouldn't Josh Malone just stop seeing any 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 looks and, and any time on the field? That could happen. He played on 59% of the, their snaps. He was rotating a little bit with Lawrence Cager, who was subsequently demoted to the practice squad, which is, I think, a, a quiet indication that Crowder is going to play. But they, that's true. They could just put Josh Malone, ride him on the pine, and then keep it 11 personnel and essentially just have Berrios, Hogan, and Crowder as your three main wide receivers for essentially all of the offensive snaps. That that could be something they do as well. Yeah, because Malone didn't play at all in, in week one. Uh, it was Hogan, Berrios, Malone, and Perriman played a little bit in week two. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. I, I think Berrios and, and Hogan both still see uh, a decent amount of, of chances to to produce. But the, uh, again, I, I don't know how, how easy it's going to be for Darnold to get the ball into their hands. How, how, how do you feel about this, this, uh, this Broncos secondary? They, they lost Chris Harris over the off season. They've, they've suffered injuries uh, on the line. They lost Von Miller. There've been, there've been a, a lot of really terrible blows to this Broncos team from, from a bunch of guys hitting the IR. They just lost Jarrell Casey to the IR as well. Um, can they hold up? Like, should they, should we still be viewing them as the team with the distinct advantage uh, over Sam Darnold and the New York Jets offense? No, not on defense. Absolutely not. You mentioned most of their injuries. I mean, it's, it's appalling. You have no pass rush. The only passenger left is Bradley Chubb, who tore his ACL last year. He's still on a snap count. After him, I mean, I mean, you even just, you mentioned it, you just lost Jarrell Casey. In their secondary, they're, of course, they have Bryce Callahan. After him, they're starting Michael Ojemudia, who's a rookie. And they're starting Isang Bassey. Not only is he a rookie, he's an undrafted free agent rookie. Like those are their top three corners out. Those are their top two corners outside of Bryce Callahan. Yeah, it's going to be bad. Um, I don't know. It's so tough for me to answer this question because there's something has to give. I mentioned it right at the top of the show, Matt, something has to give. Does, does Sam Donald look like a somewhat competent quarterback? Or does he continue to look like he belongs nowhere near an NFL football field? I think there's a possibility that both of those happen. Uh, and then with Brett Rippon, what what happens with the Jets defense? Can they can they sure up anything? Can can they do enough to stop the run that forces Rippon to throw? Uh, and, and if that's the case, are they going to be able to stop him? The real question here is how much exposure do we want to the defenses? As the, as of now, you have Brett or sorry, you have the Jets defense at 15% ownership and the Broncos at 26. You remember last season we had three or four times where defense in the captain spot was actually winning someone 200, 300 thousand dollars in the showdown slate, and much of that had to do with it being the Patriots against a Sam Darnold, right? or against a Ryan Fitzpatrick, you name it, bad teams. They torched them, lit them up, and ended up having two defensive touchdowns, special teams touchdowns. I, 
how legitimate is it to really be looking at these defenses today in a potential ugly, ugly game? It's something you should consider, but the ownership's high com- comparatively to other slates when we don't see defenses coming in with elevated ownership. And I actually have a, a really big concern with this. You mentioned it being an ugly, ugly game, and it can be an ugly game. It can be an ugly, low-scoring game. That doesn't mean there has to be turnovers. Both these teams have just been getting absolutely slaughtered this year, and they're still both in the bottom half of the league in pass rate. Denver's passing the ball just the 20th highest rate, and you look to New York, arguably the worst team in football. They're passing at the 17th highest rate. It's pretty clear both of these teams want to run the ball. Obviously, they've had no success, but in a game that's competitive, what do you think these teams are going to do as far as just overall run rate? Cause I'm expecting it to increase. It, it's got to, it's, it has to increase. I would be shocked if bringing Rippon in uh, doesn't increase it. And I would be shocked at seeing Frank Gore getting what averaging almost 20 touches per game over the last two weeks for him not to see an abundance of carries on the uh, uh, carries in the, in the jets backfield because they were doing it when they were playing from behind so why in the world would they not do it when they probably have uh, the ability to keep this competitive? Denver's yeah. averaging 0.7 takeaways per game this year. The Jets are averaging one takeaway per game. Yeah, you're right. Maybe we don't see any of that. On the other hand, Sam Darnold threw two pick sixes last week. He threw three interceptions to one touchdown. Um, that could be ugly. W- one other thing that, that I think could have an, a significant impact here that we probably that's probably worth considering is can this offensive line protect Rippon? And, and, and if it can't, because he can't scramble out of the pocket like like Driscoll can, right? Is 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 this going to be a New York Jets put all of the pressure on him? They just bring the dogs a ton, force him to throw, force him to be accurate and 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 bring a ton of heat. I think that's what could happen. And if it does, that is how I think they manufacture turnovers in the event that they do take get some takeaways. This Denver offensive line hasn't been terrible. They just lost Elijah Wilkinson, which is not good. He's going on injured reserve. But if you look at just who's allowing the pressure, a lot of it's coming from the interior. That actually doesn't really match up well versus, versus the Jets where they're going to have Quentin Williams trying to disrupt you know, Mike Munchak is their offensive offensive line coach, and he's been very good, but he is really, really starting to work with just practice squad level talent here. There is a possibility that some of these Jets defensive linemen could could generate some pressure, and that's obviously going to affect Rippon, who's the statue back there. It's tough to say. It is. Uh, Pro Football Focus has them ranked, or I'm sorry, Football Outsiders has them ranked 27th in pass protection to start the season. So. Uh, nothing really to write home about there. Pass blocking on uh, pro football focus also has them, uh, I think, middle of the league. But, or no, you know what? Has them, ooh, 30th. Yeah, I see Garrett Bowles right now is really the the only one that's protecting very well. And then, like, Wilkinson was protecting well, but he's hurt now. Yeah. This, this, this I, I personally think if they get to them, this is going to be the way that it happens. It's going to be... Uh, is going to be pressuring Rippon, making life tough for him, forcing bad throws. Uh, and if they decide to go to the pass and get away from the run, that could be an issue. Let's wrap it up with this. By the way, hit that thumbs up if you're just jumping in. You can always go back to the beginning of the show and start over. Uh, subscribe, hit that notification bell as well. 
Uh, okay, so captain spot. Let's say we're making one lineup here. Who are you tossing into the captain spot? What's the field size? Uh, okay, we'll go. I don't. I'm not going to go with the huge. Let's go with a three max or single entry, so we can actually be more realistic about this. Yeah, if it, if the field size is not egregious, I would like to captain Melvin Gordon. I think he has the best workload that you can project at this point. We know both of these backfields are going to be somewhat of a timeshare. They've actually given Gordon a full workload in the past. And he's someone that can catch passes. You know, if you want to compare just Melvin Gordon to Frank Gore straight up, Melvin Gordon, phenomenal pass catcher. And Frank Gore, conversely, he ran a route on just 38% of Darnold dropbacks to start the year. So we know Gore is going to get a lot of work. It's all going to come via carries. And you mentioned the red zone issues. With Gordon, you're at least going to see some looks in the past game. So I'm going to be trying to get to him. We mentioned a lot of other reasons how we think both of these teams could really lean run heavy, even more so than they have in their previous game. So I'm trying to get to Gordon if possible. Yeah, that's where I'm at too. And, you know, as you and I kind of processed this over the last 30 minutes or so, there, there's definitely there's definitely some incentive to projecting this game to be higher scoring than, than it is right now. The yeah, sixteen percent captain ownership on Sam Darnold, fourteen percent projected captain ownership on Brett Rippon. It's not that high relative to other showdown slates. I get it. Um, I, I don't like it, and I think Melvin Gordon is is the way to go here. I, I'm not necessarily convinced that the Jets are, are going to be solid in either phase of the defense, in coverage or on the ground. So I think Melvin Gordon is your safest from a volume standpoint. Would you captain spot Frank Gore? Yeah, for, for the same reasons as Melvin Gordon. He has a locked-in workload. And the Jets are actually projected to win this game right now. If you want to just look at how the betting markets are trending, there's actually been some money on the over, and there's been a lot of money on the Jets. The Jets were underdogs to begin the week. Now they are favored by one and a half. If yeah, bookmakers I, are correct, I mean, that's positive game script for Frank Gore. I'm pretty sure the Jets – or I'm pretty sure this game opened at three or two and a half, depending on where you look uh, – the Broncos were laying two and a half, laying three, uh, and then they 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 bounced to to dogs here. So, I mean, I don't I don't know how much of that has to do with anything outside of the fact that no one really knows what's going to happen in this game. You know, <laughs> more so than any other game. More so than any other game, exactly. And and I would say um, the the total right now at forty one, it's actually come up a point, uh, not hugely significant there. Do you do you see this going over or under that 41 point total? I like the over in this spot and it's more so because of who these teams have faced. You know, we we talked about the level of competition for both of these teams so far. The field's been equalized a little bit. I'd like to see them try to move the ball. We mentioned it's going to be ugly. That doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be on the offensive side of the ball too. With practice level players on defense too, it could get ugly on that side of the ball. Like J Jameson Crowder could bust off another, I don't know, 75-yard touchdown because he's going up against a, an undrafted free agent in the slot against Isang Bassey. Like that is possible as well. Yeah, over at oddshopper.awesomeo.com, completely free, by the way. Uh, we have, while well, the Jets at, at BetMGM and at FanDuel are minus one and a half, DraftKings has them at minus one. So obviously not going to make a huge difference there. You're not dealing with key numbers, but at the same time, uh, they went from plus two and a half, plus three to minus one, minus one and a half. 
Uh, and as, as far as the total goes, do we have it lower or higher anywhere? 40 and a half, 41, 41. Okay, so we're all pretty much in the in the same area. FanDuel's at 40 and a half, but it's minus 115. Check that out. Uh, by the way, oddshopper.awesomeo.com. You could get player props too. The coolest part is you just search the player's name if you want, and it'll pop up. So if you want to look for a certain player uh, or a certain game, and you don't feel like sifting through everything, just type the name in it, and you'll get all of their props coming up. So uh, I figure we'll end with this, Matt. Sam Darnold today has a passing yard prop of 227 and a half, only 112, minus 112 on the over, and Brett Rippon at 204 and a half. Thoughts? If I'm picking between the two, give me Rippon. To hit, to hit the over? Yeah. yeah. I think so, too. I actually wouldn't be surprised. What I expect to happen, if I'm projecting how this goes, I think Melvin Gordon gets worked in a ton, but I do think they might struggle to run the football again, and I don't know how I don't know how efficient they're going to be on the ground. It might force Rippon to start throwing the football, unless, of course, Sam Darnold can't get anything going on the other side of that one. Rushing yards, Sam Darnold, uh, eight and a half. Let's go to the running backs here. Frank Gore, 55 and a half. Um, see, this is why this is great. He's at 53 and a half on DraftKings. That's not bad at all. 53 and a half for Frank Gore. Uh, I actually, I quite like the over on that a lot, as a matter of fact. Uh, Melvin Gordon, 62 and a half at BetGMM. Sugarhouse has him at 60 and a half. Uh, DraftKings has him at 60 and a half as well. So 53 and a half for Gore, 60 and a half. For Melvin Gordon, Matt. I like the, the over on Gore as well. There's there's one concern I have with Gore's role. Do you what do you think of Michael P. Ryan? I think as far as a pure punt play goes, this is a guy that was injured to begin the year. Now he's 2,700 if you were to captain him on DraftKings. He had seven carries last week. He had 24 scoreless yards, so that's 3.4 yards per attempt. Played on 29% of New York's run plays. I don't think this guy's anything spectacular, but I do think he's the clear pass catching back. He led the group of running backs and routes run on Darnold dropbacks. I don't know how much this factors into Gore's prop. I think Gore still probably hits that, but I mean, think if New York gets a negative game script. I know. Well, I was thinking the same thing, but interestingly, he actually did have four carries in the first half as well. So it wasn't all just in the second half uh, that, that he was getting some opportunities that's not a, you know what? That's really not bad. I still like the over on Gore because same, I, same, I, same. I still anticipate him getting enough work. Even if he only averages three and a half yards per attempt, he probably still gets us there. But Pirine's a nice little discount working. I'm with you on that. I like that a lot. Uh, let's finish here. And oh, by the way, one more thing, guys, before we, uh, before we head out for the day. Uh, I, talked to, I told you about the Express Pass, 395 a week, all of our showdown content, the ownership that we discuss all the time on the show, the player projections, uh, and essentially everything for showdowns. We've got you. But we also have a promo code, Orlando, uh, like Orlando, Florida. It gets you an Awesome Plus weekly NBA pass for the NBA finals, only $5. So it's, uh, it's $10 off the original price. You get the player projections, ownership, everything you would for showdown, just as I mentioned with the NFL showdown pass for $5 for the single game slate of the inaugural NBA bubble season, bubble finals, sorry. Uh, it's valid through Sunday, October 4th. So for five bucks, if you want all the content you possibly need to win playing these monster showdown contests for the NBA finals, 
Use the promo code Orlando when you go to awesomeo.com slash join. All right, last one here. Let's do it, Matt. We got a couple minutes, and I believe we have a uh, I believe we have a baseball show coming up. Let me make sure this is coming up right after this. Jordan Klein nodding his head. Yes. Okay. Yep. We do. At Odd Shopper, I'm telling you, you guys got to check this out. It's awesome. It looks so good too. You've got Berrios, 40 and a half yards receiving. Noah Fant, 44 and a half. Hamler, 33 and a half. Tim Patrick, 31. Uh, and then I'll just give you a couple of these. Crowder, 54 and a half. Hogan, 26 and a half. Judy, 51 and a half. Does anything stand out to you as, damn, I like that? Crowder, for sure. Who? Crowder. Crowder, yeah. What do you think on that? Yeah, I agree. I, I also, I think the Hogan 26 and a half yards, as disgusting as it is, 26 and a half yards is not a lot of yards, but man, it has been ugly for him. He's had seven targets between week one and three, hauled in one reception for four yards in both of those games. If I'm going with anyone here, it's going to be Jamison Crowder. He had a near 40% market share of targets in week one. If he's active and he's healthy, I'm with you. You have to assume that Sam Donald looks to pepper him. And you know what? He won't have to rely on the deep ball to get it into his hands. You might see a eight reception for 65 yard game, but we'll take that, Matt. 100%. I'm a little bit interested in the Denver guys, but ultimately I think the best value is Crowder. All right. Well, we appreciate all you guys for hanging out with us. We got to go. I could keep talking about this longer, but it's probably good. We wrap it up here. There will be the showdown live before lock today coming up an hour before the show, before the game kicks off. Make sure to tune in for that. It's going to be good. They'll have injury news like Philip Lindsay. They'll know if Jamison Crowder is playing. They'll know if, you know, anybody else who's questionable is going to be active. It'll make life a whole lot easier. But hopefully we got you set up nicely to start making lineups throughout the day and keep yourselves occupied. Hit that thumbs up before you go. Give Matt a follow at Matt at underscore Gajeski on Twitter. Follow me at Lafay underscore D, L-O-U-G-H-Y underscore D. And we'll catch you back here next time on the NFL Strategy Show presented by Awesome.com. <laughs> 